You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Union Road Presbyterian Church. For more information, join us on Facebook or visit our website at unionroad.org.uk. I think I was here during the, the, the weekend or around about the time when the Queen died. And I'm not sure whether I said this or not at the time, but I found it very interesting that uh, over that period of a couple of weeks, there were several services. The first one was held in St. Giles Cathedral, where there was a passage of Scripture read from the Old Testament, and then John chapter 14 was read. Then when her remains were taken to Lyon State in Westminster Hall, there was a very short service conducted by the Archbishop of Canterbury, and there was one reading, and on that particular occasion it was John chapter 14. Then a few days later, when there was a funeral service in Westminster Abbey, there were two readings, one from uh, Corinthians and the other from John chapter 14. In each of the services, John chapter 14 was read. Now, remembering the Queen, in many respects, was an epitome of discretion and political correctness and never really put a foot wrong. It's very interesting that at each of those services, John chapter 14 was read. Because what does John chapter 14 and verse 6 say to us? It says that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father but by me. Probably one of the least politically correct verses in the Bible. Because basically it's saying that every other religion is wrong. The only way that people can come to God is through Christ. And bearing that in mind, I had thought that on many occasions I had read at a funeral, John chapter 14, the first few verses, but hadn't really preached on it for a good while, and I thought, well, maybe uh, now's the time to be doing that. And so I want to just look very briefly at John 14 and verse 6 this morning, where Jesus did say he was the way, the truth, and the life. And first of all, what was he the way to? Well, surely he was the way to salvation. In Acts chapter 4, uh, Peter, when he was preaching before the religious authorities, what did he say? He said, salvation is to be found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given amongst men whereby we must saved. I was talking to a minister the other day, and he had a conversation with somebody after a funeral. Uh, And this person was, uh, it would appear, to have been a non-Christian. The person was pointing out that there were many religions, and that, as far as they were concerned, that every religion had an element of truth. And, well, there may be an element of truth in that statement, but at the end of the day, There is no salvation, as we understand it, in Islam, or Buddhism, or Mormonism, or the wee groups of Jehovah's Witnesses that sometimes stand with with their little uh, book stands, or Unitarianism, or liberal Protestantism. Because Jesus spoke about there was only one way uh, to heaven, and that was as we accessed salvation and that he was the way to salvation. 
But not only was he the way to salvation, but he was the way to access the Father. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 10 and verse 20 that we have confidence to enter into the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened to us through the curtain that is his body. In Old Testament times, you remember there was the temple. And the temple was divided into several sections, but one particular section at the front was called the Holy of Holies. And it was divided from the rest of the temple by this great curtain. This curtain was some 60 feet high. It was some 30 feet wide. And it actually took some 300 priests to be able to, to move it in whatever way it had to be moved. And it was once a year that the high priest went in through that curtain into what was called the Holy of Holies. And there he atoned for the sins of the people uh, on behalf of all the people. And the high priest did that. And on the day that Jesus Christ died on the cross, you remember what the Bible tells us, that the veil of the temple was, the curtain of the temple was cut in two. It was ripped. It was ripped from the top to the bottom, not from the bottom up. Uh, it wasn't ripped by any individual but it was ripped, as it were, by God himself when his son was dying for the sins of his people. And Jesus spoke about that when the curtain was ripped in two, then from then on, people would have access directly to the Father and there was no need to go through the intermediary of some religious individual. So when Jesus talked about being the way, he was talking about being the way to salvation. He was talking about being the way to the Father. And indirectly, he was also therefore talking about being the way to heaven. And we see in Revelation 21 and 27, nothing impure will enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names have been written in the Lamb's book of life. I think it's true to say that all of us, no matter who we are in life, have done wrong things. We wouldn't dare put up our hand and say, well, look, I've never done anything wrong in my life. But the Bible tells us that, yes, we've done wrong, but when we confess our sin, he is able and willing to forgive us and to cleanse us, to make us pure, to make us right, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And on the cross, Jesus Christ died that that might be your portion and mine. And when he died on the cross, he was opening a new way that people could come to God. So he died in order that there would be the way to heaven, there would be the way to the Father, and there would be the way to forgiveness. And all these things are important. But what does the verse also teach? The verse also teaches not only that he is the way, but he said, I am the truth. He didn't say that he was teaching the truth. He said that he himself embodied the truth. And what does truth do? Well, truth, as we're all aware, exposes error. In John chapter 3 and verse 19, this is the verdict that life has come into the world and light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds are evil. And everyone who does evil hates the light. Why is it there's so many robberies and things that take place at night? Well, because it's dark and people don't see who's engaged in it. And those who want to do that sort of thing are more inclined to do it when there's no light about. And 
What is the truth that Jesus was talking about? Well, the truth triumphs facts over feelings. What is truth? Well, there's black and white. I hold up something that's black. The truth of it is, it's black. You may feel that it's pink or it's green or it's something else. But the truth is that it's black. It's accepted as black. And when it comes to Bible times, the scribes and the Pharisees, they had their own interpretation of truth. Well, of course, remember that the, the Ten Commandments were given to Moses on Mount Sinai, and the Ten Commandments were the truth that God wanted to reveal to his people at that time and every other generation. And what had the scribes and the Pharisees done? Well, the scribes and the Pharisees had added to those Ten Commandments some 620 rules and regulations or interpretations of them. And the difference was that the commandments were the truth and the interpretations of them in these many, many ways was something that the scribes and Pharisees had added. And what was it that Jesus said to, 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 to the scribes and the Pharisees? He said that they were to love the Lord their God with all their heart, their soul, their mind, and their strength, and their neighbors themselves. But he also said to them, you do err not knowing the scriptures or the power of God. Knowledge of the scriptures, of the truth, must take over from personal preference or personal feelings. And the feelings of the Pharisees were that people had to observe all these things. But Jesus exposed the error of their ways. And the question is, how do we know in many respects that the Bible is true? How can we tell that it's true? Well, what we need to understand is that each of the four Gospels were written during the lifetime of many of the people who had seen Jesus Christ, who had heard him preach, who had seen him in action. And the Gospels were circulated, as I say, during the life, not only of those who had written it, but partly during the lifetime of many of these people. And both friends and enemies of Jesus would have been there and would have heard and seen what Jesus did. And there were plenty of people who could have contradicted or corrected what was written. But nothing of the sort happened because the integrity of the gospel records was accepted from the beginning. And the moral character of Jesus Christ was entirely consistent with the claims that he made. Jesus if you ever think about it this way, Jesus never confessed to sin. Jesus never asked for forgiveness. He never showed any sign of guilt. He never was involved in any moral failure. And it was this sense of unpolluted purity that meant that he could say to people, which one of you can convict me of any sin? He was who he claimed to be. He was the truth. And through what he preached, people could know salvation. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. And then Jesus is the life. In John, John 10 and 10, we have Jesus teaching on the Good Shepherd. And what does he say? He says, the thief comes not only to steal and to destroy, 
but I am come that you might have life and have it in all its fullness. What's the work of the devil today? The work of the devil is to cause heartache and destruction and death and confusion. But the other side of the story is that Jesus came for the very opposite. He came to give us life in all its fullness. He came to answer the great questions of life. And, you know, what's my purpose here? Why am I here? And where am I going? And how am I going to get there? You remember in John 10, he said this, I lay down my life of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up. And the grave could not hold him. He was the life. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is a pointer to the fact that for you and me, there's what we could call life after death. That because God raised Jesus from the dead, it means that God was able, as it were, to cancel death and to make Jesus Christ the person who he claimed to be, the way, the truth, and the life. And the question we need to ask ourselves this morning is a very simple question. It's, are you assured of eternal life? That Jesus Christ came to give you eternal life. He died to procure that eternal life for you. And he lives today to impart it to you. And when the Queen chose John chapter 14... I'm sure she was very conscious of what was going to be read. Otherwise, she wouldn't have chosen it. And she chose to, to let the nation and the world know that no one comes to the Father but through Jesus Christ. And what is this really saying? It's saying that Christianity is unique. When you turn on your radio today, or your television, or you read your newspapers, Probably one of the themes that has resurrected over the past even 12 months that you hear so much about at every turn is the word now inclusion. And everybody has to be included in everything. What does John chapter 3 and 16 say? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, that's includes everybody believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life the gospel is inclusive for everybody but at the same time the gospel is exclusive there are certain people excluded those who do not believe those who have not responded heaven itself is including everybody, it includes everybody who becomes a Christian. But it's also a place of exclusion. It excludes those who don't. And for those who do eventually become inhabitants of heaven, what does it say? It says it's a place where there'll be an absence of tears, of death, of mourning, of crying, of pain. All these things that we've experienced that we don't like and don't want for ourselves or for those that we love, those things will be wiped away. And sin and all its consequences will be excluded. 
And as we said, heaven is accessible to those who have trusted Jesus Christ. And what is it that gives us the right to be there? It's not the status that we have in life. It's not the family into which we were born. It's not the church to which we attend, the good works we have performed, the charities to which we have supported, the handshakes that we have given, the education we have completed, or the bank balance that we have accumulated. None of these things. But in the verse that we read, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me is the answer for our inclusion into that place. So as you sit in the pew, as I stand in the pulpit, as you teach in Sunday school, as you lead in the church, wherever you are, there's no distinction been made. There's only one way that all of us will enter into heaven through the one gate, and that is through trusting Jesus Christ as our Savior. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father but by me. I was standing in the conference this morning just before I finished it. Uh, I was coming up this morning as I often do in the car and I, I turn on that program uh, Sunday sequence and sometimes I listen to bits of it and sometimes I don't. But whatever time I turned it on this morning, I, was, I listened to the commentator say that there were a couple of people who had died very suddenly during the week. Uh, one of them was Eamon Phoenix, I think was the name that was given, and the other was Dr. Paul Bailey. Dr. Paul Bailey was a, a Presbyterian minister. He didn't have a, a church as such, but he was the director of Mission Africa. He was a, a missionary representative. On either Wednesday or Thursday, I'm not sure what day it was, that he died. He was in church house that morning. He was 53 years of age, roughly. And he sat in the meeting for two hours, over two hours. And he came out from the meeting, and I didn't know he was into this, but he, he did a wee bit of running. And whether he got his shorts on or whatever he did, he went out for a run. And he dropped dead. If you had been in Dr. Bailey's shoes last week, where would you be today? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father but by me. Let's pray. Thank you.